The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. It's up, giddy up, it's Friday. Uh, welcome to the Friday Breakdown. It's the Better Stop Podcast channel. The number one channel where first responders go to be informed and entertained. We're going to be on shows a week. We've six different hosts. We've got a little bit of true crime, a little bit of comedy, political news, case breakdown, some dispatcher stuff. We got it all here on this channel. Today we are breaking down the Brent Thompson tasing. We have a very special guest with us today from uh, Anti-Hero podcast it is a real street cop from the orlando area tyler how are you doing today sir hey guys how are you man i appreciate you having me on good man um did you need us to report that larceny of sleeves that you got going on <laughs> we need to uh, call that in for you <laughs> i'm just kidding this guy's jack he's got his cut off t-shirt on listen today's show is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash wolfpack sleep so good it's scary that's ghostbed.com forward slash wolfpack actually uh drew there was a young man newly married young man from uh the canada area canada area i don't even like to say the word um that's how much i dislike that country right now the maple leaf uh, state yes i'll say that but um anyway they're from the great state of canada and um they wanted a ghost bed but there was no ghost bed deals in canada because their pets made in the usa and they probably care just as less about Canada as I do. I'm teasing. I only joke. But um, no, I was able to call the owner and be like, hey, our friends across the borders here want to get a ghost bed, but there's no promo code for Canon Anadia. And he was like, sure, we'll make one right now for him. And um, we'll grab him 40% off across the board. How does that help him? And I was like, no, let's go. And so they were able to get uh, the bed with the adjustable base and the whole nine yards. So I thought that was very sweet. That was something that we got to do this week. And I feel good about it. So the code was uh, Wolfpack A. What was like, Wolfpack <laughs> It was Wolfpack Hoser. It was takeoff, <laughs> eh? Uh, today's show is also brought to you by FactorMeals.com. Promo code Wolfpack50. FactorMeals.com. Uh, promo code Wolfpack50 that gets you 50% off your first meals. I actually was talking to another uh, Wolfpacker uh, this this week about the Factor Meals. He just got his in. He said, dude, you are not joking. These are real deal meals. You ever heard of Factor Meals, Tyler? Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, been seeing ads for them and stuff like that. Bro, let me tell you what. Why your little peasant buddies are in the squad room eating those PB&Js, if they even allow peanut butter in the squad room anymore, you can look like the champ that you really are by eating a factory meal right in front of them. It'll make them all jelly while they're all going out and getting super fat at uh, the local Mexican joint or the Hibachi arena. You can be sitting there with your factory meal that you've programmed to fit your needs, Tyler. So I'm talking, they've got like the protein heavy. You look like a protein heavy guy. Yeah, um, they have the vegetarian ones for guys like Drew. Little <laughs> soy boys like Drew. Over here. <laughs> Just I, I, I'm a vegetarian only because I hate plants. Like I'm trying to rid the world of plants. It's, not a, it's got nothing to do with meat. Listen, have you tried the vegetarian factor meal yet? Drew? I would not put a veg. Uh, I don't want to say anything bad about factor meal. No, I no. tried it. It was I, delicious, actually. The answer is no. I, I, it was a vegetarian. Chances are, I'm, yeah. It was really good. It was like a tortellini, like in a ranch sauce. Is it, cheese. It, it was rad. But don't you find it at all ironic that they have a vegetarian meal called ranch? Like, don't you picture like Yellowstone, like a ranch? It's got yeah. cattle and it's got heads sure. of cattle. It's got chickens and, you know, but the vegetarian meal is called ranch. 
Yeah, it's like don't it's, you wish it's you were eating from a ranch. Uh, those meals are great. The shakes, the morning shakes are in, are incredible. Um, I like the mango, the strawberry mango. The smoothies, shake. Yeah. That is dope. The smoothies, yeah. I call them a shake. You call them a smoothie. Do they, are they, uh, do they deliver? Yeah, yes. so it's delivered straight to your house, not frozen. They come in a big, giant box, really packaged well, and they have, like, dry ice in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you open the box, like all the steam bellows out, but the, the meals are not frozen. They go directly into your refrigerator. Now, you can set these up to get like three meals a week. If you only work three days a week, you can get them five days a week. And what they'll do is they'll ship you weekly because they got to stay fresh, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and they even give you like a little pack to put in your lunchbox to keep it going. Uh, these things are dope, man. Um, you uh, Every box comes with like a different little gift card. So like some of them come with like wine, like wine gift cards. They're killer. So, anyway, if you're a first responder, uh, I, I suggest you try Factor Meals. Do a little meal planning. It's, it's super quick and easy. But uh, other than that, we're breaking down the Brent Thompson tasing case. And I know that we have a little bit of news. Do is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Guess? First, an observation. Uh, <clears throat> Tyler brings the pipes on his arms, and he's got the pipes as in a voice. That's the first observation oh, I have. That's for the, those who are listening via podcast, not. That's why I. I, I that's why I, I work out. I don't use a taser because of stuff like this. There you go. That's very good. Uh, Actually, in one I of these you. videos we're going to show you, like, honest to God, that is like my first take. I was like, why are we even using the taser here? But go ahead. Sorry. I'll bet you don't handcuff people and put them on railroad tracks like Colorado police officer. What was his name? Jordan. Listen, Stengi. it can happen to yeah. anyone, Drew. It, it you don't work in rural buttfuck nowhere, Colorado, where there's just there. railroad tracks for days with no arm and hand signals and if somebody runs from you your adrenaline does go through the roof so when yeah, you do stop and you think that somebody is going to run from you the last thing you're probably thinking is is he on a railroad track right now i'm just saying i'm not you know i'm not i'm I not do, saying this uh, cop is in the clear but what i'm saying is it could literally happen to anybody i do understand the concept of a train in case you were wondering but this is in weld <laughs> county colorado he was convicted friday the, the, the reason i'm bringing this up is because on uh, we have a little section on our YouTube channel called FTS Academy where Eric and I did a bunch of like free form videos, long content videos last year. Uh, we're probably going to pick that up again. This this taser case has me intrigued. I probably I'm probably going to do something on that uh, that could go on Patreon and then in our FTS Academy. But Eric did this uh, story and it was uh, interesting to me because. Um, what happened was, as Eric just said, kind of, there was some type of pursuit or whatever, and uh, this, this girl didn't pull over, so they ended up uh, taking her out of the car, putting her in handcuffs, and sticking her in a patrol car. Well, what the what the guy didn't realize, what the cop didn't realize, is that he had stopped his car on some railroad tracks, some very active railroad tracks, mind you, and um, they just had this oh shit moment where a large train came barreling through. Now. Um, it sent the car a flying, and uh, luckily, the, the young lady that was in the back seat was resilient enough to survive her injuries. I'm sure she's quite wealthy now. Uh, oh, Jordan yeah. Stanky is a police officer with the Fort Lupton Police Department in Colorado. I'm not here to embarrass him. Um, we all make mistakes. Uh, he insisted she did not uh, she did not mean to hurt the arrestee. Uh, identified as uh, Irene Rios Gonzalez, who was in the patrol vehicle when it was demolished by the freight train in September of 2022. However, the testimony was incriminatory as related to the misdemeanor charges. So she um, she evaded a felony. 
she evaded the felony charge. She was convicted of the misdemeanor. Um, and that charge again was, uh, uh, reckless endangerment. So right. they, they determined it's that reckless that, endangerment to run from the cops, but it's reckless endangerment. <laughs> if you get hot, hurt while running from the cops. Now, listen, I also want to caveat this because I think it's really important is that this train track had no arms and dingle dangles. You know what I mean? Like around here, we have like a deener, 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 and like the little arms come down yes. and the red lights flash. It, it was not rural. Have any of that. It, it, it had that. it had the railroad crossing like the the sign. The sign, but it didn't, but it didn't have, have any blinking right. lights or like these like arm bars to come down. So, and while they I were, think that's unfair. While they were getting the the vehicle to stop, which previously had not stopped, as we just discussed, by the way, but while they were trying to get the vehicle to stop, like their focus was on who was in that car and what they were doing, and so then he just put it in park right on. And the it was a track, uh, and it was a drive by shooting. It was a I mean, yeah, right. it was a uh, flashing of the firearm uh, in a road rage incident. So yes. and everything that that car was doing indicated a jump and run. So I like I said in my video. 100% they were all focused on the jump and run and I don't think they were focused that they stopped on railroad tracks that had zero really no markings that they were on a railroad track so in, like, and I, similar that, to, it sucks but it, I can see how that happens yeah I can too similar to to to, to today's case uh closing speed's a bitch like you, you really can't judge a good closing speed I mean I, I even if closing you're radar certified speed. or whatever I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right you don't have to go home, but you can't stay on now, this rail. Now, Tyler, being that you're a big guy, you've already mentioned that using the taser is something that is like last resort for you. Do you carry a taser? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we have to carry. There's certain things that we have to carry for uh, uh, use of force, so like uh, the less lethal options yeah. that we have, or I don't know what they call it now. Is it is it called less lethal, or is that was that coined too violent? So we got to call it something else. <laughs> I don't know, uh, but uh, Chris yeah, Cross I carry. I, I carry taser, but you know, I never use it, and I will use it if I need to. And I've used it once because the guy coming at me was twice my size, and I was like, I'm not doing this. But that at that moment, I had the ability to think and go, okay, I'm going to use it. And a lot of times, when people pull out their taser, um, you know, they're they're in a high stress situation, and those policies for tasers change all the time i'm constantly yeah. signing you know at least once a year something new and so i just don't think it's very practical to uh, in a high stress situation pull out your taser and utilize it and then think you know okay did i just do everything right when you know i, I just i like to go hands-on that's just, just my... punch him right in the face and just see what happens. I didn't say that. You know? I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm joking. <laughs> so listen, when I uh, I was with Raleigh Police Department in Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, and so you had the option to carry the taser, but if you wanted to carry the taser, you had to go through the I don't know, forty hours, eighty hours. I can't remember what it was. Taser class, and then you had to be tased with it, or you couldn't carry it, and um. And you weren't allowed to carry it as a rookie either at the time. I think you had to have at least two or three years on before you could get the taser. And so I always said I was never going to use the taser. And then I got issued the taser. And then I found myself um, in some situations where it was just easier to use than pepper spray. But uh, yeah, like I was like a very hands-on kind of guy too. I'm like, you know, and I, I could just go into this. So now our taser policy, and I mean, and this is important for today's uh, discussion here, is our taser policy was you could not tase somebody while they were running away from you unless they were making a furtive movements 
as in like they were going for their waistband or they were going to hurt somebody else. But generally speaking, we were not allowed to tase while somebody was running away from us. Is that anybody else's policies? Yeah. uh, We changed it from, uh, I'm trying to think of what the terminology is because, you know, like we just, like Tyler said, it changed all the time, but um, it went from passive. It used to be if you were, if they were engaged in passive physical resistance or maybe it, maybe it bumped up to that. It, it bumped up to if they they had to be engaged active. in passive physical active physical yes. resistance. Thank you. Yeah, so yeah. so if they were in passive physical resistance, you could not use it anymore. If they were active physical resistance, which this could be interpreted as active physical resistance, but also written in the policy and written in the the Loveland or in the um, the uh, DA's uh, report, it can be used to prevent escape. So this guy was lawfully under arrest and he was escape. He was in the process of escaping when you think about oh, okay. it. So, um, and, and an important caveat, and it's an important <laughs> distinction that this is not th- though the guy, th- there's a huge difference between somebody dying when force is used and using deadly force. This is not a deadly force situation. This is, a, this, a, this was just a, and, and as Brian in the chat pointed out, less than lethal. You, like if you call it less lethal, it just implies that it's lethal. Yeah. So less than lethal using this taser is just, it's not a deadly force situation. Um, Some and, people and out there right now are saying, what are you guys talking about? What is this case that you're referring to? Because you have oh. no idea. Um, and I apologize. That's probably on my fault. But uh, are you familiar with this case at all, Taylor? Yeah. Um, it's funny. Um, the day... Uh, me and you started talking about it. It started, everybody sent it to my inbox. So I think it kind of <laughs> blew up on the same day. Um, obviously yeah. it had happened a couple of days prior, but you know, it's a sad circumstance. It, you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, you don't, I like to go eat McDonald's. I don't want to see how it's made. You know, um, this is police work. <laughs> These things happen. And it's, you know, when, when, you know, the lawman is apprehending the bad man, it's not going to be pretty. And again, this is tragic. And this is obviously that cop would probably do anything to take back, you know, let him go. I would, you know, obviously we'd rather have somebody get away than die, you know, for a, you know, but it, it, it happens sometimes. And it's one of those things where who, who are you going to blame? They're going to blame us, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Let's go ahead and play the video really fast. Just so that some people know exactly what we're talking about. But wait, wait, pause it really quick. Um, one, let me just give out a fair warning that this video does show somebody being fatally injured by a vehicle. If that is not your cup of tea, then, then look away. Uh, 99.99% of our, our, uh, followership, our listeners. Um, but we do have, uh, some live viewers on YouTube, by the way, thank you guys so much for being here. There's a bunch of people in the chats over there. Teresa K Falconator, Greg, I your man blue. I'm not going to scroll up forever, but Ben McGordy, Michael Loggins, Brian W. Thank you guys for being in the chats. That's as far as I'm going to go there. Cause we could just go all day with that. Um, but for those of you who are listening, what you're going to see is you're going to see a young man being pulled over. He's going to give somebody the wrong name uh, or give the officer the wrong name. And then they're going to try to arrest him for giving the wrong name. And he's going to run from the police. They're going to chase him. And then he's going to get tased on a highway and then a car is going to run over him. So we're going to play that video. Just kind of imagine what you hear on this video as to what I just said to you. Just use your imagination a little bit and, uh, you know, hit that. If there is a way, and- Josh, if there's a way to stop it right before he gets run over, because everybody else could kind of figure out what happened, it'll probably save us some hassle with YouTube. But 
That's yeah, I was going to just play it. What I was going to do is just play it one time all the way through, and then that's it. Okay. Um, so, did you give me the right name? Yeah. What's your name? Jacob Todd Jones. Okay. Why don't you give me the right name? It is the right name. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Brent, I know. Um, so, right now you're under arrest. For I'll stop it here because if we get any closer, it will get pulled down. <laughs> yeah, for blood. Um. Uh, so now it's uh, so bad. It's so terrible. Um, seeing somebody get hit by a car is one of the most traumatic things ever. Um. Luckily for me, the guy that I had to deal with did not end up getting hit by the car, but I did have a drunk guy that was trying to dance out in the traffic, and I begged him to stop. And he went out and laid out in traffic <clears throat> in about two or three times cars at the last second, you know, <laughs> could fear away. And I would close my eyes and like cover my ears each time because I didn't want to see and hear it. Finally, the guy got his ass up and, and walked out of the road. But I can't imagine if somebody would have actually thumped over him. <clears throat> um, we'll go ahead and let's read the DA statement on this really quick. So we got the totality before we talk about it. Uh, dead leg. I think you probably have the most information on this. Sorry. You want to talk about the, uh, the distance and everything? Yeah. So the closing speed, the, the, where this happened at is on I 25 and it's just North of where I live at and there's an exit and there's access roads. So I don't know if they were exactly on the exit or the access road, but these roads run parallel with the freeway. And once you get North of where I live at, there's no street lights. There's no nothing. We are like rural out in the dark, like this, the, stars are what illuminate the the sky so it's dark out there and the speed limit is 75 cars on 25 go north and south if you're not doing at least 80 85 you're going to get passed by the semi trucks so they're moving at a relatively fast speed so by the time that they were able to uh, the motorist was able to even notice something was in the road they estimated that the vehicle was traveling between 75 or 65 and 70 miles an hour at the point of impact. And they're, they're at that speed, you're closing five to 600 feet every second. The amount of time that it takes a person to see something, consciously react to it, then put an input into your body to put your foot on the brake. The amount of time from that point to the time that you actually start getting a reaction this person's already hit regardless of whether the taser was in there or not. The, the traffic is moving at such a fast speed going down up and down the freeway right here. There's no way that that's why we wanted to play it as fast as it did. Cause it, it literally went zero to a hundred in a matter so you of said seconds. That the taser deployed for five seconds and he was hit at 5.6 seconds. Yeah. Well, all right. I, I actually have a timeline for that. So, okay. <clears throat> because there's a question in the chat of like, why did he wait so long or whatever? But I mean, w when you watch it on body cam, it seems like he waited a long time when this shit's happening in real time. I know, I know the person that put this in the chat knows this, but w when this shit's ha happening in real time, 
you don't anticipate stuff like this. You don't think things like this are going to happen. One, two, the officer specifically said he evaluated the traffic going northbound. He could not see the traffic coming southbound because there was an embankment and there was an overpass. So he didn't know he, the, the roadway was clear as far as he was concerned. So, uh, and, and they were on the, um, the on-ramp by the way, uh, leg. So 20.2 seconds, Luhan gives commands to look for traffic. 14.7 seconds, Thompson runs past the tree on the embankment. 9.9 seconds, Thompson jumps the guardrail. 8.2 seconds, uh, Borderwick begins strobing his flashlight. That's the corporal that was the backup. Uh, Luhan crosses the guardrail, 7.3 seconds. 5.6 seconds, Luhan deploys his taser. Thompson enters the northbound lanes. 5.1 seconds, uh, Thompson begins to fall. And then 4.5 seconds later, Thompson is laying in the roadway. So when you take all of that into consideration with the Explorer that was driving at, at, at speed, at highway speed, if not greater, so nobody's implying that they broke the speed limit or anything like that. If you take your foot off of the gas, uh, off the gas and put it to the, um, the, the brake, it's going to take like, there's a, there's a, so let's say if it were 70, uh, he was doing 70 miles an hour. It's going to take, it's going to travel like 770 feet before you can even hit the brake. It's, it's a ridiculous, like, um, yeah. formula like that. Like it, it closing speed and speed are, are very deceptive, you know, anywhere you are, like, you just don't, you don't think it's coming that fast, but it, that's how people get killed on the highway all the time. Yeah. But and, 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 and train tracks. And train tracks. But the, but the officer, you know, his justification wasn't that the guy was running, the guy was escaping. He, he was like, look, there's a concern for traffic when, when somebody is on the highway. He could easily, you know, create a diversion in the middle of a lane of travel where two people, you know, have to run into one another to avoid him or whatever. I mean, there's a million scenarios that play out. I, I think he was in the right for trying to stop this guy from getting onto the interstate. Um, it just so happens. And actually his, his fears were validated because it did happen that way. The guy got on the interstate. He just happened to be tased and in the lane of travel and the, the Explorer came by and ran him over. Now, what are the well, yeah. comments? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Tyler. Oh, I was just going to say, um, you know, sometimes we always forget that you go on, you're going based off your training. Like sometimes when you do stuff like that, like I know when I get in foot chases, all I want to do is catch that guy. There's a lot of things in my tunnel vision that as you yeah. become a more seasoned cop, you can be aware of it at the time it's happening. But And not just know, a seasoned cop, but a cop that gets in foot chases, you know, because you could yeah. be a five-year veteran cop and i've only had like two foot chases so exactly every foot chase is kind of like very new to you and and so as you're in these foot chases you're like okay i have to be able to breathe to talk on the radio i have to be able to give directions i have to be aware of like the people yelling at me what they're saying you know um you know i don't know that guy's history or anything about him but you know sometimes when when something like that happens you have to break it down in your own brain and go, okay, I did all of this because I wasn't thinking at the time, but the, all the things that you just said, he probably was subconsciously thinking all that, but it, it you know, that's a, you know, when yeah, television it, it, sets in, you know, like, and I've said this on the show a thousand times, right? Like we, and, and it's, 
it's adrenaline. It's, there's a lot of science behind this. There's like a lot of brain chemistry that goes behind these kinds of incidents. And I talk about these in like lots of incidents, like Uvalde. And I mean, we can break it down in, um, to, to what happened in the uh, Wendy's parking lot in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, but when, when adrenaline is going, when tunnel vision is going, there's, there's, your body is trying to process a lot of things, like he said. And sometimes you're, you, it's, it's almost impossible to expect an officer to get it all right. You know what I'm saying? Like one of those things is going to suck. Either your radio traffic is going to be terrible or you're not going to run as fast as you should have ran, or you're not going to tase a person when you're shooting because there's so many things to get right. Something's going to get wrong. And it's like a quarterback, right? In a football game, you know, he can take the snap perfectly. He can drop back perfectly. He can get his reads perfectly, but if he doesn't throw the ball perfectly, it's an interception. Does that make sense? Even though these guys practice and practice and practice, they do the same thing over and over again. But you can anticipate what's going to, you can almost anticipate what's going to happen in football. If you don't get rid of the football, you're going to get hit. Or if you throw it to the wrong lane, um, you, you can lay out the receiver or it could be intercepted where we stand is that anything could happen. That guy could have a weapon. That guy might be innocent. Like, you know what I mean? All of these right, things like are we're playing, working. We're playing the same game. So just we don't get to see the pregame. Footage. It's all, it's all reactive. So, yeah. so your adrenaline is taking away oxygen from you and, and it's going to all of your muscles because that's what you, where you need it the most. So you are going to be losing, but you are going to be short of breath and you, you're going to like, all of these things are going to happen. But you know what? Sometimes we forget also when we're in a foot chase like this and Tyler brings up a great point you've got to preserve some of your strength for the fight. So once he gets there, like you, you, okay, say he accelerated to the point where he didn't need to use his taser and he just, you know, linebacker shoved this guy down and now he's got to fight him. So if he expended a hundred percent of, if the cop expended a hundred percent of his energy to, to make that tackle, so to speak, without the taser, now he's got nothing left when the guy wants to fight. And guess what happens when that happens? They're not it? Like it's not a tag? Like, it's not free. It's tag not free. You tag him and they just have to stop. So, so what happens? The guy gets on top of him and starts punching him. And then what happens from there? The officer is going to pull his gun out and shoot him. I mean, th- yeah. this is, this, this is an actual less than lethal situation that is done for a reason. Like it's all, well, if he would have tackled him, they both would have gotten hit by that car. Yeah, probably. Yeah. By the way, now yeah. I just want to cover this one thing in the, in the uh, chats is that somebody says like, why didn't they let the taser go? Like, why didn't they let it up? Why did they keep tasing? So when you pull the trigger on a taser, it runs for five seconds. No matter if you click it 10 times, it still only goes for five seconds. There's no take backs. Like you, once that thing is deployed, you get full five seconds. So it's not like he was just like, you can shut it off. You'd have to shut it off. But I mean, you can, I mean, in, in that, that's why I say that's the one of the non the the crappy things about the taser is that there's so many functions, especially the ones that shoot two sets of probes, like cycling, giving giving the first set another cycle is different than deploying the second, the second set. set. And it's like yeah. I remember sitting in class, like I'm not I know I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I cannot be the only one that's like, like I'm not going to be able to think like that in a critical incident, you know. So. Um, it, 
you would like you said you'd have to shut it off in the middle of it and that's just nobody's gonna think like that that guy was stunned. no i didn't even know you could shut off it <laughs> you, could, I honestly, you I can shut that. it off so you don't like the original tasers used to be if as long as you held them down as long as you held that trigger down it would just keep cycling and cycling and cycling the no see, our, ours was not like that ours was right. you pull the trigger you, once it goes for five seconds for five seconds then, then you can do another you blast have, yeah you could do another blast um but that there was but, no fucking turning it off yeah, it, it's it, ours. You had to turn on and turn off to even deploy it, what? because yeah. otherwise you can't you can't leave it in an on state or it would drain the battery too quickly. So oh well, ours is on. you pull it out and you flip the safety, right? The yeah, the safety, safety is an on on off switch. Oh, I, I don't think I knew that you could. Uh... Yeah. So, and then on top of that, um, the new taser, like Tyler's talking about, like it's a, it's a completely different animal. You had to, we had to be retrained and recertified. I mean, um, like at the time I was a Lieutenant and I had to turn all lieutenants were made to turn in their tasers, which is funny and not funny. So we all had to turn in our tasers, right? Then when we got the new tasers, all lieutenants were made to go back through the course because we are now mandated to wear tasers because it's a less than lethal option. And if we're in the situation, I, I don't, it was contradictory in my opinion, but at any rate, it's a whole new course of learning, especially if you had learned the previous taser, if you, if you knew all about the inside out of the X 26 or whatever, now you're learning this whole new taser. And by the way, when you spark test it at the beginning of the shift, it's, it was so easy to, to get nipped or bit by this thing because it was a completely different procedure than with the X-26. And, and that happened a lot, too. Uh, there were a lot of, uh, you know, the accidental discharges went up and all this other stuff. So, um, you know, the equipment is a little problematic to begin with. The fact that Taser owns the body cam and the Taser b both, you know, I mean, that's <laughs> you, you have to go through Taser to have the expert analysis of the Taser and of the body cam. Yeah, that's um, I I'm a conspiracy theorist, and I think once you privatize the government, when Axon, Axon and Taser, or if they're the same company or two, they yeah, own they law enforcement. They own they law enforcement, and it's scary how how much of an opinion they have on you know what could happen and what what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Yeah, and 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 by the way. Um, th this is like, I, I invested heavily in Axon a couple of years ago because I kind of could see this, uh, because when, you know, after George Floyd happened, obviously everybody needed a body camera across the United States. Axon, I think is making the most money on data storage. So when you, you know, when you upload your body camera information, it goes somewhere and that's the major cost. The cameras don't cost anything. The cameras can yeah. come out of well, yeah, it's, iPhone, it's like the storage and it's, it's the people to manage the storage. Yeah. Yeah. It's this, it's the data storage for, so. for trial and for court. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people are like, why don't you guys just have body cameras? Why does it everybody's have body camera? I'm like, well, man, that's, that's a that, lot of well, money. It's a lot of batteries. It's a lot of recording, you know, oh, <laughs> somebody's got to manage all this stuff. Speaking of batteries, the corporal that backed Lujan, I think his name was Lujan, Deputy Lujan, up, was sitting at the district office. First of all, the deputy that, that did this was on an overtime detail. He, he wasn't working. He was on an overtime detail. So figure the odds. Then when he called for a backup because he was going to make the traffic stop, a corporal jumped up from his seat at the office. He was charging his body cam at the time 
didn't even think twice about grabbing his body cam, jumped in his car and, that's, and drove that's to happened the to scene. me like that happened to yeah. me several times. And they're like, Oh, it's super con- convenient. I'm like, it's super convenient that I went back to the station to charge the battery of my body cam. And then somebody got into some shit and I wasn't right. just going to be like, Oh, sorry, dude, you're going to have to get your face beat in because my shit's not Th- that's yet. that is Murphy's law. The only time shit's going to happen is when you don't have your body cam with you. Yeah. And I think mean, about this, like is something going to happen at 7 PM at night, more likely critically, or is something more critically going to happen at two o'clock in the morning when your camera's dead? Cause it's been yeah. on since seven dealing with all the dumb bullshit calls, you know, between seven and 2 AM. So, you know what I mean? Like, that is that is a big uh, big thing. Now, what do you guys? Uh, obviously, I'm sure you guys wear body cameras still active uh, in the Orlando area, correct? Yeah, it's. I mean, I know you. I know this episode isn't going to be the body worn camera episode because I know cops. If you open that can of worms, we could talk about that for eight hours. But um, you, you know, the policy now is just the everybody's going to it. It's uh, cameras always got to be on. Uh, like not recording but on you can't right. you can't at the start of your shift it has to be on um and you know nowadays they have the 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 backlog of a minute with audio right so right. god forbid something happens and i can't react that was the biggest argument right well something happened quick i didn't turn it on well if you can remember within a minute after it happening to turn it on it goes back to catch that incident but now anything you do as a human being in the in the in the confines of your own or not your own car, but your patrol car um, is now subject is now subject to anybody watching at any time. And they'll sit there and tell you all day. Well, yeah, so it can be redacted upon request. If it's personal, like yours, let's just say you have a sergeant that doesn't like you, you know? And of course, what are we doing? We're talking shit about admin. No offense, Drew, but it's, (laughs) Oh, and I said, are you sorry for swearing? and i shit yeah. on him being admin all the fucking all the time, time dude like yeah yeah but you know but, uh, you know you're, these are all great points there there was a tampa police officer that was suspended for something he said on a private phone call with his wife he used the n-word and oh. he was suspended because he used the n-word oh by the way he's black Oh, <laughs> so so he was suspended for using the N word. He's a well, black you know, what? I, you know, when I was going through my process, uh, because I opened up a distillery in the, the department, even though I was officer of the year, um, the, the the city didn't like it. I won't say the department didn't like it because uh, the department was fine with it until the city had a problem with it, and then and then I went from you know being officer of the year to public enemy number one, but they had gone through a body camera audit and I got selected on the audit and random audit. yeah, the random audit. And they found me in my car by myself, no swear words talking to another officer. And I said, this is why I hate people dude. This is why I hate people. It's stuff like this. It just makes me, it's like, I, I, I can't even, I don't even know what the point of bringing children into this world is, is as dark as this place is. And that's all I said. And um, uh, three months of anger management. Um, the happiest dude on the planet Earth uh, has to go to, you know, three months of anger management. They took my gun and badge away for seven months, no off duty, having no other prior complaints and being officer of the year and being the head training officer on the squad because I said, God, I hate people. Which what cop has never said that? Uh, Man, I have no idea. Like I was, you know, the, yeah, I had a lot of. Fun that's that's nothing 
compared to what I say. <laughs> Bro, you know what I mean? Like, you know, and I, it's like, I've never even like yelled at my wife. You know what I mean? Like, I've never even like, I don't even really yell at my kids or, you know, like anger management would be like the last day. Um, if anything, I just make jokes too much. I need to go to like joking management. Um, dark comedy manager. Dark humor. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a that's a coping mechanism for the tragedy and the the trauma we endure. It's I mean, actually, I, like- I think it's like scientifically proven. There's a study done that dark humor um, is the best way for to to live through. If you're going to continuously experience trauma as an occupation, you know it's not. And I've covered this. It was actually probably one of the things that gave me a bigger boost when I started this podcast. Was a uh, there's you know. Uh, PTSD, uh, one event in your life, one one event that sucked, right? You you live with that forever. Sometimes it's deployments in the military. Uh, it's you know sexual assault, car accidents, something one time in your life, and, and that happened, and that's awful. Then there's continuous. There's twenty years of trauma that you go to and you prep yourself every day, and it starts changing who you are and. I feel like the only way to actually deal with that and be healthy is dark humor. And yeah, yeah, I mean, you can sit and dwell on this stuff. You can sit and take it seriously and it is serious, but if you want to take it seriously and you don't want to use dark humor, you are going to eat yourself away and you're going to end up eating your gun later on because well, it just, I mean, think of it this cop. way. That, I mean, that's poison. So like you have poison water in your system and the only way to dump, poison water out of your system is to dump the bucket and and that's a form of dumping the bucket like if you're even if it's dark humor and you're in the company of other people who enjoy dark humor i I wouldn't say it's the only way but it is a coping mechanism and it's it's effective like you're just you're, you're getting it out of your brain and you're getting it out of your system and you're kind of testing it on other people to see if they're feeling the same thing because we see things that no human brain is supposed to process this guy in particular this deputy who probably now feels responsible for the whole thing witnessed somebody get run over at his at his hands like you don't think every time he closes his eyes he hears that thud or here's a car think about it or here's a car or touches a taser or and and you know like people in the in the general public are like oh that's what they get paid for and bullshit that's not what we signed up for we signed up for to we signed up to help people we signed up to do all these other things and yes we know that tragedy is coming and we know that and we're you know we we provide resiliency training in some cases some cases we don't but man i mean think of all the triggers that this guy has to deal no pun intended uh he gave the warning almost immediately when he was running. Stop. By the I'm way, if you hear a cop you, says, stop. if you hear a cop say, I'm going to tase you, like you're going to get tased unless you do something drastically different. <laughs> right. Because like that's already been put into motion. And like they said, you have to draw the taser, which is a thing, right? Like it's got a latch. You've got to yank cross it forward, draw, pull yeah. it straight up. Yeah, cross yep. draw. You've got to flip that little switch on. You know, there's a process that has to take. So once he says, I'm going to tase you, he's already starting that whole process. And so that taser's coming unless you can somehow, you know, and I've said this before on the show too, but it's like a linebacker uh, coming off the end, aiming at the quarterback. There's a lot of things that has to 
to that he has to initiate to make that tackle. One, he's got to drop his he's got to drop his weight, right? He's got to he's got to drop his shoulders down. He's got to get his head positioned to cross the body below the nipple so he doesn't get you know uh, a flag for hitting above the the head or, or headshots. He's got to open up his his arms so that he can wrap it around. Um, and all these things happen. And so once that's initiated, even if that quarterback lets go of the ball. His, he doesn't even see the ball being released at that point. He's already initiated the tackle. So you're going to get blasted. And that's why I always have a thing about, you know, late hits that, you know, they're very tricky um, because once that's, you know, he can't just stop. Once you've decided in your brain, you're tackling that quarterback, you know, you would have to leave that ball quick in a hurry or you're going to get, you're going to get. That's, that's actually so. a really good point. You can't just, I mean, you can, it takes a lot of skill to be ready to commit to some type of use of force, whether it be a taser or a shooting, and then be able to kill it instantly to to turn to stop that thing that's already in motion. Like you're telling yourself, I'm gonna tase this person. It's not the biggest thing in the world to tase somebody, but when you pull the trigger on a taser, you're looking at you're looking at your career, you're looking at possible jail time, you're looking at all these things, and you're hoping to God everything lined up and you're good. And that's a big commitment. And then for somebody to go, actually, I give up. Never mind. Like, okay. Yeah. You, know, and, <laughs> you, so, you can't untase somebody. You're right. Like, and, yeah. and this is, I think this is what's driving a lot of good cops out of the profession because they don't want to risk it. Like it's not, it's not just taser. It's a gun. Like you, you saw the video that that guy in uh, at the apartment complex, I don't even know what state he was in where he he's just reasoning and bargaining with somebody who's holding a gun. He doesn't want to take oh. his own gun out and shoot this guy. He's like, please just no homie. Oh, you know, yeah. like he's, but he, he's thinking either this guy's going to kill me or I'm going to get indicted. And yeah. who, who would want to do that one and two, who would want to get into this profession knowing that you're either going to be indicted or you're going to be, um, you, you know, or killed, you know, ultimately the, the news article that talks about this DA's decision specifically says the only quote that I found like on ABC news or any of the major mainstream media was though his training was deficient or something to that effect. Like though he made poor judgment decisions and his training was deficient, we don't find criminal charges. Well, you know what? That's a, a 36 page uh, summary that that DA put forth and he did a, he did a phenomenal job. I got to be honest with you uh, because I'll talk about him in a second. Out of the 36 pages, I can't even find that direct quote that they're talking about. Like he he went so deep into what happened and the investigation was so thorough that the news had to, with a very fine tooth comb, go through and find this one quote where it talks about him being untrained. What 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 message does that send? Uh, the to only the thing I can the only thing I can see that was untrained, the, like the only thing that he did that that was a lot, like a training flaw. I mean, I, if you want to call it a flaw, and, and like I said, this is the fine, fine comb. This isn't me. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, I think this cop's totally good. I mean, did yeah. the best he could, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to money board a quarterback. I'm really not, but I'm just going on the fine tooth comb that you're talking about. The only thing I could see somebody saying about this case is you would, you never say you're under arrest and then you grab them, you grab them. Yeah. And then you say you're under arrest. And I think, the only mistake he, he made, which we've all done it, like I've done that a thousand, like, hey, buddy, come here. You're under arrest. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they take off. Let's go like, grab ah, him. Fuck. You know, you got to grab yeah. him first and then be like, you're under arrest. And then you, you have a hold of him. 
so with like within the facts of the case, you have to understand he he had probable cause to arrest him. This this stemmed from a suspicious incident at a hotel. The 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 driver of the car was backing out. His reverse lights were on. The cop had to wait, and he was just sitting there. So he's like, "What's going on? What's going on?" So finally, the cop just goes around him and parks to to watch his activity. He sees a few things. He runs the tag. The tag comes back as expired in March of 22 or something like that. But what's displayed on the car says that it, it actually expired in April of 22 or something. So there was the, the, the tag was bad. It was a, yeah. probably a fictitious t- um, sticker. Sticker, but, yeah. Yeah, so so he's like, okay, I got to see what this guy's doing. <clears throat> he gets up on the interstate on the on ramp and determines that this guy's doing, you know, fifty in a seventy or whatever. So he pulls him over. There's like f- like five or six indicators, and when he talks to this guy, the guy gives him a date of birth. He runs back to his patrol car, not runs. He walks back to his patrol car, runs that name and date of birth, shows sees a a, a valid a, a photo of that guy. And says, this ain't him. And then he runs the associates of the of the name that was given to him. He sees that it's this other guy, Brian, whatever his name is, or I, I don't Brent remember Thompson. if it's Brian. Yeah. So he runs that name and that date of birth. It pops up and it's his picture. And he's like, okay, he's giving me a fake name. Now I know for a fact he's giving me a fake name. He's got probable cause to arrest him all day long. And uh, so then that's when the backup, the corporal arrived and he said, look at this picture and look at this picture and tell me who this is. And he said, yeah, he's giving you a fake name. So they went back to the, to the interview part and said, Hey, why don't you tell me your real name? And he's like, I gave you my real name. And he knows he's lying at that point. So yeah, to your point, Eric, I mean, maybe that's the time you just walk up to him and snatch him up. Uh, I, I, I submit he's going to run anyway. He had just yeah. bonded out of jail on the 16th. He, his girlfriend's uh, facts were, his girlfriend's interview said, yeah, he, he has a history from running, running from law enforcement. It's not based out of like a hatred for law enforcement. It's based out of, he doesn't, he's, he's hooked on fentanyl. He doesn't want to go through the withdrawal symptoms and he just went through them. We just bonded him out two days prior. And so, I mean, there's like a huge thing in society, like in society right now, where like run from the cops, no matter what, you know what I mean? Yeah, like even if you're a, not in trouble, a, people run. It's a misdemeanor. And where I work, um, your first offense is a, uh, a little, you should have known better. Watch a video charges dropped. Um, and yeah, I, I was going to say, say almost every RDO I've ever done was reduced down. Uh, they always drop RDO first, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it, 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 not to segue too far off, but to go with what you guys are saying is that um, to be a cop now, I mean, it's not just everybody that's always been that's made the job hard for cops, right? Everybody throughout history, you know, there's been challenges. Um, the state attorneys now, um, and, you know, I'm on borrowed time as is in this profession, trust me, but you know, and I, and I, my podcast, we say things that uh, people are like, Whoa, you, you saying that I will say that the ninth circuit in Florida, um, she, the, the state attorney is a Soros plant. It's proven. She got money from George Soros. Um, she goes after cops, which everybody thinks their state attorney goes after cops. It's probably true nowadays, but, um, uh, a friend of mine, uh, responded to a suspicious incident, uh, came out, um, guy with a gun, foot chase, reached for his waistband. My buddy shot him. Now this is, this is all been publicized. Um, FDLE, the state, uh, the state investigating agency came out, cleared him, 
ju- ju- justifiable shoot. There was some issues with the body cam. It wasn't on or something like that, but that's all policy department. They can handle that the way they need to handle the, the state investigative agency stated, um, this is a clean shoot, right? Um, a couple of weeks later, um, his lawyer called him and said, Hey buddy, I got some bad news. Uh, the state just, um, indicted you with a grand jury that we weren't even invited to. So now he's got aggravated battery with firearm charges on him. Uh, everybody, everybody in this whole thing knows how bad this is. Um, she, our state attorney said, um, what we're going to do is we're going to offer him a misdemeanor. And so now he's going to avoid going through trial. They're offering him a misdemeanor. So now he'll lose everything he has. He'll be a, a criminal technically. Um, and it's so bad to where the two, they're trying to replace her actually. And I'll, I'll get the police unions are getting involved with this lady. And the two out of three people that are going to take her place have vowed as soon as we get to that position, we are dropping this case against this deputy because this is is this, uh, is this Aramis Ayala or is that dated? Is that who your state attorney? I think is? that's her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's the one that refused to enforce. Yes, the prosecutor. Yep. Yeah. Uh, was it uh, uh, the governor had to assign a new uh, state attorney yes. or whatever for the uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Andrew Warren. What, uh, Ron DeSantis. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's okay. So, for you non Floridians, and not to take you too far down the rabbit hole, there are a few Soros plants in Florida, just like he's talking about. One of them was Aramis Ayala. I don't know if she's still the state attorney there. It could be somebody else. There was another one who, a former federal prosecutor by the name of Andrew Warren, who was here in Hillsborough County. And uh, Ron DeSantis said, You're, you know, what Andrew Warren did was he signed some thing of national prosecutors that a proclamation that said, we're not prosecuting anybody that doesn't follow this abortion ban. You know, this is ridiculous. We don't agree with it. And Ron DeSantis said, that's a dereliction of your duty as a state attorney. I am the governor. Get out. I'm removing you from your post. Now I, re- you know, everybody realizes this guy was elected and all this other stuff. It's kind of unprecedented, but he booted him out. And he put somebody in there that is going to just administer the law like they're supposed to. I'm I'm shocked if this Aramis Ayala is still there. That's where all the controversy started, by the way, when she was like, I'm not, I'm not trying any death penalty cases. He said something similar, like, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take it in a case by case basis and then kind of flipped his position. Like, yeah, now I see the light. We'll, we'll consider death penalty cases, but he knows under his breath, he's never going to prosecute a death penalty case. And that, you know, I don't know if he's held true to that or not, but he was fired and the courts have upheld it to this point. The he, he's, he missed a deadline somewhere else, but this is a very real thing. So th- they're disrupting society by replacing these prosecutors with Soros plants or whoever, like these woke prosecutors that are damaging the the safety. Look at the look at the one in St. Louis. I don't know if you guys know that case. We're going to have to break that one down, Eric. Uh, the the prosecutor in St. Louis was so so woke. Her entire staff, the attorneys, left. They had nobody to left to uh, to. <laughs> Uh, to try a violent crime. So, so murder suspects, they were missing deadlines on murder suspect uh, uh, arraignments and such. So she was just forced out of her job. 
because it was found that she was going to nursing school on duty. She was the actual state attorney, district attorney, which is kind of funny. But um, so, yes, this is this is like a societal problem. This is how they're disrupting the criminal justice system. This is not about equality. This is about payback or it's about yeah, it's revenge. not about reducing it's not justice. Crime. That's for no, sure. it's you creating know, it's, crime. It's empowering people to run because every time and I said this on the last episode, it's you know, if you don't comply with the police, you have a better shot of getting a payday than you do of actually getting yes. some kind of a jail sentence. Because, you know, your chances are the more cops that are on the scene, the more chances that one of those cops is an idiot and is going to do something stupid. And so all you got to do is resist long enough until that one dude weeds himself out and then you get a great payout. You know, I had a, an incident and I, I've talked about it before uh, where I had a, a young man. He shot himself five times. Well, he didn't shoot himself five times. He shot himself three times. But he had five shooting incidents in seven days. And he was, <laughs> I think, 11 years old at the time. Uh, oh. Couldn't have been older than 13. And um, so, so the first one that I got a call for was on a Monday. And he had walked out in the middle of, of Rock Quarry Road, which is a pretty big road here in North Carolina. Um, a lot of businesses. And he fired off a bunch of shots straight up into the air. And he was in front of a place called Wee Bob's. And Weebobs has video cameras that have audio. And so not only can you see this young man standing out in the middle of a four-lane road shooting a firearm up in the air at 11 years old, but you can also hear the uh, the, the teller at the Weebobs yell the kid's at name out. Like, I mean, I'm not going to use this kid's real name, but, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> Tyrone or whatever, you know, it's like, Tyrone, knock that shit off, you know? So we have the video and then we have audio that says knock it off. So I went over there. Um, told the mom what was about to happen. Mom is like, you know, come on in. I find the gun. Um, and, and I try to get secure custody orders over him all day. I spend all day, probably eight hours trying to go through the secure custody. And by the end of the day, I, I got zero, zero secure custody order. Cause he wasn't a threat to anybody. He was shooting the gun up in the air. They just seemed that, that, that we don't need a secure custody order on the Tuesday. Now I took that firearm. It's gone on Tuesday. We get a call to the, the residents there that he had shot, he'd been shot in the kneecap. And so we get there and short as shit, he had a graze wound on his knee. The luckiest thing ever, uh, transport him to the hospital. Um, they do a big bandage. He's there for eight or nine hours. They release him. I still don't get secure custody orders because he didn't mean to do it. On the Wednesday, he catches one in the foot. So he goes back to the, get back to another gun, tries to do the same thing he was doing before, which I think is take it apart. And he shot himself in the foot. I go back a third time and take that gun away. Well, then there was another incident where that, that week, like on that Thursday where a neighbor calls and said that he buried a bag of guns anyway. So it escalated to the point where we get a search warrant for the house and we go to hey, the house. Real quick. What's a secure custody order? Secure custody order is um, you take the child and you turn them over to like child protective services. Okay. Just my um, like a, like a juvenile. Yeah. Like, I don't think we have a juvie system here it's just called secure custody anyway so uh, on the fifth day we do a search warrant and um because the mom is at this point fed up with us being there every day she won't answer the door and so the SWAT team is gives so many things like hey we're gonna break this door in blah blah blah, blah, blah. you know she doesn't they don't comply and so they break the door in the dog runs out of the house and I mean in two seconds dog runs out runs straight out into the road and gets blasted by a car Oof. this dog they recover three more guns out of the house the city paid them out $60,000 for that dog. Mm -hmm. oh I believe it. And that young man died in a drive-by shooting two years later. Um, you know, it, 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 well, agencies, 
I, I don't know if people don't know this. Every every cop I talk to is like, what? Agencies have money ready to go. It's usually where I work, it's $10,000. You don't like, uh, if they have a strong enough argument, you want 10 grand? All right, there you go. Settle out court. They also have, um, they have money set aside for when they want to terminate an officer or deputy um, who they don't want, but it's an, uh, what do you call that? Uh, unjustifiable firing, right? So they know they're going to, that deputy or that law enforcement officer is going to sue for two years pay. And that they're going to, and then two years down the road, they're going to have to pay them two years salary and then sign the thing saying, while I'm ahead of this department, you will never apply. Boom. And it's just, there's always money ready to go. So they can pay yeah, out. Like, why people. not? Why not just commit some crimes and, and take a chance on these paydays if you're if you're one of these criminals at heart? Well, I, I'm glad that this gentleman was able to get off. Guys, I yeah. apologize, but I uh, was talking to somebody yesterday. His name is Ryan. He's a big fan of this show. He asked um, and I ran into him in Fayetteville, North Carolina at a skate park. And um, he says, hey, man, like I put your your show at the skate shop. I put it on the big screen sometimes and, um, and we watch it here at the skate shop. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And he says, you got to do I, He said, what's tomorrow's episode on? And I said, what's on this tasing incident? And he says, Eric, you have to tell the story about. And I don't want to say what it's about because it'll ruin the story. Says, but <laughs> you told it a long time ago on the story, but now on the podcast. But now I can't go back because you have too many episodes and so you know how Apple only keeps so yeah. many or Spotify only keeps so many. So I have to tell you this story and tell you it's your first time hearing it. And this story is in my book, which is coming out pretty soon called pig Latin, a seriously funny, true story. Um, but uh, I got a call and I was, I was a senior cop at this point, Tyler. So I, I had some years under my belt, like five years under my belt. And I got a call to a group home. You have group homes down in Florida. Like yes, the kids. Yeah. Course. Yeah. Yeah. So this was an, actually an adult group home. Um, and, and so it, it's kind of like, you know, I, you know, people have like bipolar schizophrenia, they can all live in one house or whatever. And they've, they've got like a nurse like on standby watching them. So it's like two o'clock in the afternoon and the nurse calls 911 and says that, that they've got one of the, um, the females, I, I want to say she was like 24, 25 at the time, uh, locked in the bathroom and they couldn't get her out of the bathroom. So I said, Raleigh, just send that to me. I'll take the, I'll take the call. Wasn't my beat. Wasn't my area. Um, but I was close enough and it would just seem like an easy enough call. I call it the last call of the day. LCD can last call of the day. It, you know what I mean? It's at two o'clock. I do a little transport to a medical oh, facility. That's, that's, like right about that's strategic planning right there. That's a senior cop. Yeah, yeah this, is like a great, this is a good LCD for me. Right. I'm going to, you know, I'll be done with this by I'm five. ride this one out. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll type it until six. I'll be good. Like an hour, I'll get off on time. If I take this call right now at two o'clock, I will absolutely be off by six when I'm supposed to. So I'm like, hey, Riley, send that to me. I'll LCD this one, you know, last call of the day um, in my brain. And so somebody else, she's like, do you want to check in? And I was like, no, I, it's a woman locked in a bathroom. I, I can handle this. So I show up to the group home and they're like, I'm like, is there any weapons or anything? And they're like, no, actually this group home has no knives, no nothing. Like I have all the knives locked up. And if somebody needs it, like they have to sign this form and then I pull it out and then I put it back in. Like, you know, it's a thing. So she's like, I don't think there's any weapons in there. Perfect. So I knock on the door and I'm like, what's the girl's name? She's like, Sally. Of course, I'm just making the name up right now, but I knock on the door and I'm trying to be cool cop. Right. Like, so I knock on, I was like, Sally, what's going on, girl? Uh, what's you doing all right today? She was like, who the fuck are you? And I was like, I'm Eric. My name's Eric. She's like, are you a cop? And I was like, well, do I sound like a cop? She said, yeah, you sound like a real douche. And I was like, damn, 
That sucks. And I was like, well, she knows you. I, I am an officer, <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact. And um, I just want to make sure you're okay. Are you all right in there? She's like, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. And I was like, well, you're not going to hurt yourself, are you? And she's like, maybe I will, maybe I won't. And I was like, well, don't say that, because if you, you say that, we'll have to like boot this door down and come and rescue you. She's like, I don't know why you would kick the door down when you could just open it. It's unlocked. And I was like, damn. <laughs> you are. So I, I checked the doorknob and sure as shit, it's unlocked. And I was like, oh, damn. All right. And I was like, well, hey, I'm going to open this door. But I'm going to ask you again, you don't have anything that's in there that's going to hurt me or anything. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. So I, I don't cross draw my taser. I wear my taser on my left side because I feel like if I'm going to draw with my left hand, it's in my left hand. I know it's in my left hand. And I've got a lot more thinking so that I can always grab my gun with my right hand or, but like, I, I just, it's a, it's a conscious movement. If it's in my left hand, I know it's my taser. It's in my left hand. So I pull my, my taser out with my left hand and I take my right hand and I push the door open and she is standing in this bathtub, butt naked, covered in blood with a giant piece of glass in her wrist slicing upwards. And she's standing up facing me completely naked. And when you're cutting your wrist in this fashion, your wrist is down by your vagina because that's where you're cutting, right? Trying to cut upwards, doing it, doing it the right way. And so I go, oh my gosh, stop. And I was looking at where she was cutting her wrist and I pulled the trigger on my taser at the same time to get her to stop. But where do you, when you have your gun out, where does the bullet usually go? Where you're looking? Where you're looking. So I'm looking at her wrist, which is down by her vagina. So that's where the two darts go. And the two shot. land right in the vagina <laughs> and she oh. falls out of this bathtub, barely misses the sink. Her nose explodes all over the tire floor. She Oof. rides the lighting for five seconds. She's like, Oh my God, did you taste me in the pussy? And I was like, roll over. And I roll her over and the two darts are right in the vagina. I said, Oh my God. Yeah, I did. She's like, why would you taste me? My fucking pussy. <laughs> you are a douche. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was like, hold on. Let me call 911. And she was like, you are 911, you fucking retard. And I was like, just hold on a second. <laughs> and so she's like, you I was like, Riley, I need to, uh, I need to, an ambulance. To such, such. She's like, he takes me in my fucking pussy. Like it's going out like over the city radio. And I was like, stop. You know? I'm like, and I key it back up. And she was like, why would you fucking taste me in my vagina, you asshole? And it's like, every time I keyed up, she just kept going. It was like, she could hear the you know, and then she would just start off. <laughs> so everybody in the city now knows I taste somebody in their vagina. So and, uh, <laughs> is, is there a point where she was like, just out of curiosity, how much battery do you have left in that thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you, can you shock me again? Real yeah. quick? <laughs> right. That's so, one of uh, the funnier stories I've ever heard. <laughs> so the, the ambulance gets there, and and I'm familiar with the uh, the EMT, and she's a cute little little blonde headed girl. She gets out, and she's like, "What's up, Tansy? What's going on?" And I was like, "Not much." And she was like, uh, "So what do we got here?" And I was like, "Well, I kind of taste this woman in the vagina." And she was like, "Why would you taste her in the vagina?" And I was like, yeah, just let's get in the bathroom. So we get in there and uh, my buddy had had handcuffed a tourniquet to her wrist. So he like put a, a towel over her wrist and like handcuffed, cinch, cinch it down and stop the bleeding. She gets in there. She's like, oh, my God, you taste her in the vagina. And she was like, right. What a fucking asshole. And I was like, oh, God. So they go into this whole thing again. And then they're like, like, we're not touching these darts. You've got to get them out. And I was like, I do. And she was like, yeah, it's like it's not in her eyeball or anything like you can pull those out. And I was like, oh, my God. So, so like, I have to reach down there and pull these probs out of her her vajayjay yeah and i was Remember. like man this is really 
Yeah, so I do like, that, and then a, I do like the thumb. I do a little thumb to make it feel better. <laughs> I like, did one of these. So right. I yank it out, and we're leaving. We're you know we're leaving the group home, and all these women between their twenties and thirties, they're all lined up in the uh, in, in the living room to kind of see the drama unfold. And we're bringing the girl out, and she was like. Don't fuck if you're gonna kill yourself, don't fucking call this asshole because he'll tease you in the pussy <laughs> on your way out. <laughs> oh, stern warning. Yeah. Um just uh just to get back real quick to the to what we were talking about. This is the current state attorney, Maureen Worrell. She's the current state attorney. It's not Aramis Ayala. Aramis Ayala was the state attorney, and get this. Um she was uh, she she said uh, that she would not see capital punishment in any case. This was back when Governor Rick Scott ran Florida. He's now a senator, but uh, and he said, "Okay, fine." And he took all of her <laughs> he took all of her capital cases away from her. And she's Lord. like, "You can't do that." And he's like, "That was yeah, uh, I, I I can and I did." Wasn't that when um uh, in Orlando, um, Markeith Lloyd executed an yes. Orlando sergeant and, uh, yep. and she's, and then they caught him and she said, well, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to. And so I, the governor, I, so it was Rick Scott at the time. Yep. Markeith Lloyd, said, yeah, Mar- Markeith Lloyd was a murder suspect. He had murdered his girlfriend and, and Deborah, I can't remember. I I'm so ashamed of myself that I can't remember her name, but Deborah, the, the sergeant went to apprehend him. And he shot and killed her. And, he and this, yeah, he executed her. So this, um, Aramis Ayala said, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not prosecuting the death penalty on that guy after he was caught. And, and by the way, he, I think he lost an eye in the arrest and there were some, oh, things yeah. that happened, but, <laughs> and, but her, said, handcuffs, oh, yeah. her handcuffs went on yeah, him did. by the way, but. Uh, yeah, that was so. That was why it stood out. But this is the current Monique Worrell. Um, and then, so while we're talking about bad prosecutors, and l- let me just give a shout out to this guy though. Gordon McLaughlin is the district attorney in Colorado. You know, we don't need to make this a political show. I don't necessarily want to, but I mean, this guy is the first Democrat that was elected to that post in like forty years or something like that. It was run by nothing but. Um, Republicans. So obviously it's a highly Republican area. And I'm telling you, I read this, this um, report from top to bottom, his opinion on what happened here. He gave it a very thorough investigation. He took the findings of the, of, uh, of all of the investigators. And he gave this, this uh, officer a fair shot. He gave the deputy a fair shot. There's no, there's no complaints that I could, I I can see in what he did. So even part of the uh, reasonableness party. Yeah, it could be like he and he, you know, like uh, that was one of the things he stood on when he ran for uh, for district attorney that he wanted to bring pragmatic, you know, like he wanted to bring it back into the community and all that, but he wanted to bring a pragmatic approach, and this was a very pragmatic investigation. I mean, there there was a lot of stuff that they looked at, uh, the body worn camera, the reports and summaries of the critical incident response team, the interviews of the officers, the interviews of witnesses, CAD calls and radio traffic, photographic evidence, physical evidence, uh, maps depicting the area, an ATF firearms trace because the guy had a gun in his car, uh, expert reports from Taser, the scene inspection, and an accident reconstruction analysis. And he took everything into account and said, look, this, this is, this, it doesn't meet the level of manslaughter. It doesn't meet the level of anything. I, and I, you know, here's just my Instagram argument and I'll shut up for a minute. 
my Instagram argument and all of this, Daniel from Police Law News put this out when it first came out, and everybody was like, this cop needs to be charged with manslaughter. And I have a very simple reply to that. If that guy kept running and the officer were run over and killed, would you want that suspect charged with manslaughter? And the answer is always no, because he's a criminal. He, therefore, he has every right to get an officer killed. But because this officer tased him, and after he chose to run, after he chose to—he uh, was high on fentanyl. He had done fentanyl an hour before that. After all of that, he chose to run, and he was killed. Unfortunately, somehow this officer is culpable for that, and I don't see it. Not not criminally, maybe, maybe civilly, like— that's a different argument for a different day. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, we Tyler, we appreciate you being on here. Listen, uh, if you guys want to follow Tyler, it's uh, the Antihero Podcast. And uh, give him some love. If you want some more of it, what we're going to try to do is uh, I do a T-Bones with Tansy on our Patreon account, Tyler. And, um, and I, I have had Officer Daniels on. Anthony Romaldi, who's right down the road from me, who's a big conservative po uh, political comedian, has hundreds of thousands of followers. But I do a thing on our Patreon just for our paid members only, so it's behind a paywall. But we sit down, we have a steak together over the internet. So you make a steak and I make a steak, and we both sit down and we have a steak dinner. And that's where our fans get to know all about you. Uh, I'd like to invite you to be a guest on that. It's very low-key, but you just tell your story. We just kind of talk about who you are, and we make the whole show all about you. And to, to get our, our core fans, our core Patreon members to come over there and follow you. Um, but this guy's got a great Instagram. We found uh, we found him through Instagram. And I like all the things that he has to say. And he's my kind of cop. Uh, what I what I, I really preach about uh, against on this show, Tyler, is political police officers who poison the profession. So I hate cops that have social media because they're trying to politic their way up in their own departments or that they're just butthurt about their departments. And so they, they podcast, but you know, there's not very many of us real street cops out there. Drew, um, sorry, but this is real street cop talk here, but um, I'm just kidding. But you know, there's no real street cops, like just telling the public what real street cop shit goes through um, without all the political correctness. So people really don't understand what street cops really go through. Um, and, and so I think, you're doing a great thing out there. I think all the things that you have to say are from a really good street cop perspective and the world needs to hear more of that. And the, the world needs to hear more stories of real street cops. Um, and so, uh, you know, if you guys want to follow him and all those things, you can follow him at the anti hero one word podcast, anti hero podcast. Uh, anything you got for us, Tyler? No, I just think it's uh, as a culture. Um, what, you know, we need to, I mean, it sounds cliche. We need to stick together. Uh, you know, watching how they're slowly uh, disbanding the 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 knowledge and the need for unions blows my mind. Uh, they have no power, at least in Florida. They really don't. I mean, Nobody they can unionize, and you know, um, and and then, you know, also in the, in our culture, man. Uh, one of the biggest things I talk about is we're the worst to each other. We're the worst to each other. Oh yeah, and um. You see, I mean, we were joking in the comments. Go look at some of the comments in my sections uh, on my videos. The worst ones are from cops. You got some a cab comments in there. You're going to get them all the time. I don't, I don't even know why, how I show up in their algorithm, but I mean, some of the worst things that people say to my guests are cops and, and I'll go, okay, you must be a rookie. And they're like, no, I got 14 years on the job. And I'm like, and you're talking like this, you know? Yeah. All right. Yeah, you know, I I, I, I I had one of my first um my our first Instagram post on Photoshop that I always I pretty much not always take the side of the cops, but I try to put the perspective 
Although cops, because most of the time, I think cops have the best of intentions. They just don't execute very well um, via lack of training or uh, just a lack of experience. You know, like we talked about earlier, like tasing somebody for when it's your first time tasing somebody, that's as stressful as the first time somebody shoots somebody. Um, and then people are like, what? There's no, you can't compare the two. Well, I, the adrenaline, I bet you the adrenaline is, if you were able to study the amounts of adrenaline that go into tasing somebody first time and the amounts of adrenaline that go into shooting somebody, I bet you it probably registers somewhere very close to each other because it's a very stressful situation that's unknown to you. And as you said, the more foot chases you get into, the more times you taste, the easier it gets, the more situationally aware you become. I remember my first foot chase. I couldn't tell you anything. I don't know how I missed every pothole or every route because all I was looking at was the waist of the person in front of me and we hit the fences and we hit everything. Now, what if I chase somebody, I know where all the clotheslines are. I'm seeing the roots in the ground, the potholes, you know, because I'm more situationally aware. But, you know, I, I, I shit on the cops for my very first time with the incident that happened in Ohio. Um, and that's just because I, I feel like right now, uh, Tyler, that we're that, that the pussies have in infiltrated policing and that the police officers have, 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 have to take a stand. Like, are we going to maintain uh, law and order and continue to do real street cop shit or are we going to buy into this narrative and just be pussies all the time and um and tell i'll tell you 10 years ago if a canine had a questionable bite that would probably nobody everybody would go like ah man if i was that canine cop i probably wouldn't let that fucking dog yeah. go but uh you know i'll bring it up to a sergeant we'll run up the chain of command maybe get this guy some or i'll have words with him in the locker room be like yo homie why the fuck do you let that dog go like don't do that don't do that in front of me again it's fucking bullshit i could have went hands-on with that dude i could have pummeled him you didn't have to let the fucking dog bite him but now uh no you let a dog go and you're gonna get the theatrics you're gonna get all the things the tattletales want to go tattletailing you know and it's a slippery slope it is a gray it's a fine line and i know people are going to disagree with me on this but, yeah, well, the, uh, one th the one thing i won't I, I i won't i try to i say i won't tolerate but absolutely i do because i still work but um is you know the need the need for the street cop is is not going away it's not and uh no. i they they'll they'll send you out to do work and then critique you on the work right so and death. so and um and my biggest thing is, you know, I'll be like, uh, my favorite thing to say is uh, that, you know, when they bring me in to talk, do I violate policy? No. So why am I in here? Why are you talking to me? Because I don't care about your view on my yeah. takedown. I don't care that you didn't like the way something happened. You asked me to go out there and do it. I did it. End of the story. And then usually that can do, you know, then you got to mind your P's and Q's because you got a target on your back. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, we have weird times. We have a, you know, um, and, and like I said, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, please don't get me wrong. I have no tolerance for bad cops. I, I don't have any, I, I don't tolerate bad cops and, and, and somebody that uses uh, too much force too often, but I also equate it to a football game. Now I love, uh, we'll just make a, a non-controversial statement. Like let's say Troy Aikman. I don't think he did anything to piss anybody off, uh, but let's just say Troy Aikman is a phenomenal quarterback. Did he throw interceptions? Did he lose football games? Did he make critical mistakes? Yeah. It didn't matter how good you are. You're always going to make mistakes and it's how you learn from them and you, and you uh, get better and you retrain yourself and you have that humbleness to, to figure it out. But I think we, as cops, we've lost that. It's like they want you to play a thousand football games every single day of your life. But if you make one critical mistake, 
you're a bad cop. And I refuse to do that. And I think some people confuse that with me saying that all cops are good and I defend all the cops. I'm not defending the cops. What I'm saying, it's the same way as I defend a quarterback. Still my favorite quarterback. Even though he made a critical mistake in that game, I still think he can come back from that. And I think we have to look at our cops in the same direction, in the same way, is that, yeah, these cops, do, they do great all the time. And we have to be able to expect them to, to make critical mistakes. Now, is this a critical mistake? I mean, no, I don't think it is, but some would argue um, that it could be a critical mistake. And, that, and that's where I'm getting at in this point is that we have to be willing to work with cops and allow cops to, uh, to, to make comebacks and to do better next time, you know? So Agreed. Yeah, I, um, I, I think the, the critical mistake uh, and, you know, the world needs Tyler's. Uh, and yes, the world needs yeah. Eric Tanzies. And and by the no. way, I retired from law enforcement so I could actually share my own opinion. Uh, <laughs> it, that's the that's the God's honest truth. I left I left quite a bit of money on the table to be able to speak freely, uh, and it's a it's definitely a freeing feeling. But uh, I think a critical mistake that officers make is that it is completely a fifty fifty world. It's us against them, or um, you know, like everybody's out to get us slash. Uh, and, and if you just understand, or you every once in a while, throw a little empathy into the mix, Susan B empathy, uh, like into the mix that, uh, you'll see it's a very small percentage of the people that disagree with us. And they're usually the most vocal. And, uh, so like, if you play this, like everybody's a bad guy, therefore we're always right. It's going to, it's going to come back to bite you at some point. Mm -hmm. If you at least approach it with an open mind and objectivity and say, well, you know, we could have done better here, but uh, we're in the right, uh, you know, uh, like in here, no, here's where we have to back at, it up. It's just telling rookies that all the time. I said, dude, just remember when you go to pull somebody over or somebody did something like, remember they're doing it for a reason and you should probably find out what that reason is before you go all in on them. So like, Hey man, why were you spree Why, why were you speeding? Like, let's hear their excuse and listen to it because maybe they have a valid excuse. Like so most of the time people aren't just doing things just to be assholes. Like there's an excuse. Like if you get cut off in traffic, I guarantee you more times than not, it's not that guy going, you know what? Fuck that I'm going to cut watch. him off. <laughs> you know, it's like either they didn't see you. Maybe they were distracted. You're like, well, why is he an asshole? He's distracted. Oh, he's distracted because he just found out his mom has stage four fucking cancer. And he's just yeah. always thinking about his, all these things that he has to, to do when he gets home to get his mother into a, a, a home and hospice and all these other things. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he was a little bit preoccupied. So you never know what people are going through. So you should always ask before you I, prejudge somebody and say, Oh, you piece of shit. you wanted to steal from the Walmart. No. <laughs> hey man, why did you need yeah, to steal my, my family's starving? <laughs> you know? stealing yeah, there's, there's no way yeah. to gauge. There's no way to gauge a B cop. Uh, the effect that he has on people, you know, I mentioned this in my podcast a couple of times, a couple of episodes ago, you know, you could go and, and essentially affect positively three people in one shift. Three people could walk away from your interaction and feel oh, yeah. great, feel good. Um, the problem is, is that there's no way to gauge that. So, right. you know, to, you could be, you could look like a slug on paper because you didn't write 20 tickets. Well, I didn't write, I wrote one ticket because 19 times I had a great interaction with somebody they left and I used my discretion or, you know, you walk into somebody's living room who's having an awful time. Do they need to go to jail? No. Do, you know, could they use some help instead? Yeah. You know, and, and the way you help people, you talk to them very humanely and a lot of also too, a lot of cops, you know, they've never been arrested before. Um, a lot of yeah, cops have never been true. in trouble before. A lot of cops have never gone through something. Um, and, and that's the name of the game. When you hire a 20 year old, that's going to happen there. And unfortunately they hit these crises in their career where I, 
I was in the military. I was in Fort Bragg. <laughs> I got in the, <laughs> I got my trouble days out of me before I was a cop. So now anytime I slap, you know, the bracelets on somebody, I can tell you I've been there. And you're um, man, I, you're you're a thousand percent right in the sense that I, I I had a almost career-ending situation. I was I was actually demoted over it. I mean, I spent a hundred days. Uh, well, triple digits on the beach, like not knowing if I was going to have a job or not or whatever. And I, in my opinion, th- though, I took responsibility for what I did, it, my part in it. Um, I, I think that there were some unethical things that were being done to prove how ethical the agency is. You know what I mean? So um, so to your point, though, when I came back to work, I was expected to do a few things, one of which was to teach you know, like teach academy classes at a time that we always have to follow the constitution and blah, blah, blah. And I have a very prime example where they didn't. Um, but, but also just, you know, every situation is different. And when you've been in trouble, just like you say in your Fort Bragg days, just like in my days, just like Tansy's in his, in his days, you have a very different perspective on how much that spider web uh, 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 spreads out of people that are affected by what is happening to you. So if you make that simple misdemeanor weed arrest, because you can, because the kids in, in, you know, in high school or whatever, and he's being an asshole, you're affecting his mom, you're affecting his sister, you're affecting him, you're affecting his ability to get a job for the rest of his life. I'm not saying he doesn't need to take ownership of that because there is a lack of taking responsibility. I'm saying every interaction you have, just like Tyler said, every arrest you make, every traffic stop, you're affecting in a butterfly effect kind of way, an entire universe. You're, you're affecting an entire orbit of, of people. And that's why, you know, sometimes the discretion, uh, the pen is mightier than the, the sword, the, the discretion of whether or not to arrest somebody sometimes can change the life of somebody more than uh, a death, you know, like using deadly force. If you put, if you put an innocent person in prison for the rest of their life, that's more of a death sentence than killing them because they're there for the wrong reasons. You, you understand what I mean? Like, yeah. Maybe I'm not making the point, but the penis, no, yeah. the penis, better. <laughs> you know, I, and just one more to caveat on all of this is that like, if you want to be a good street cop, man, it all starts at, at a humane level at the human level. When you, when you're in the locker room and your guys are like, Oh man, does anybody see that car on the side of, on, on uh, the side of I-10 over there with the, uh, the, the thing? Oh no, I put my blenders on and drove past it. You know, I told my rookies, let me catch you saying that because that's what you're here to do. Mm-hmm. You're here to, to serve and serving means the call. The call doesn't mean the, the call, right? Answering the call isn't just taking down felony arrests and making big drug cases and, you know, whatever cases. The call is helping that one person uh, get off the side of the highway safely. It's pulling over in 110 degrees weather, not getting on your stupid fucking TikTok and actually helping somebody change a tire and then not writing all about it on your Facebook later. Like you should be doing that shit every single day of your fucking life. You know what's it's funny taking time too. out of your day to go shoot basketballs with a kid that's by himself shooting a basketball all alone in the, in the without getting on your stupid cell phone and showing the world that you did it. That is the call and you should be doing the call every single day of your career. And that's far more important. It makes, that's going to hold so much more weight when you retire than how many felony drug arrests. Cause you're right. Nobody's going to give a shit, you know? Yeah. I mean? and, and, and it goes back to what Drew said. Um, you know, I want to help someone change a tire. I want to jump start someone's car. You guess who tells me I can't do that? My agency because of liability. 
If you, yeah. it, it, it's smart. Oh, it's legally your smart. car, your, your car might it might just it might fry your computer. To jump start uh, yeah. Well, 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 oh yeah. My my I crashed my car three days later. This deputy put the tire on, so it's his fault. Of course, my but not my agency, but what any agencies they're going to pay out, and now they're going to make a knee jerk. Uh, a policy. I work at a very high touristy attractive um, area, right? Um, I don't blame people for it. Um, hey, hey, deputy, will you take our picture, right? Uh, to, I'm a uniform to some people. They don't mean anything by it. I'm a public servant in their eyes. Who, uh, who, who's going to help me in this situation? Who's going to take my picture? I'll ask this cop. Technically, we're not supposed to do that because if I drop their $1,000 iPhone, guess who's in trouble? So essentially our hands are tied. We can't even do the right thing anymore as far as helping people. Right. And, and I'm guilty of the blinders thing too, man. I heard you, you know, sometimes where I work, you know, I, I, I was too at the beginning until a cop, uh, you know, and I say, I tell people all the time, I'm not the world's greatest cop. I just was trained and I was on a squad. I say this in my book constantly that I was a piece of shit. It was just, I had a squad that was incredible and everybody on the squad was incredible. I came from the military as well. And, and so like, I had a very like grandiose thought of, of being a police officer. And, um, and if it wasn't for cops that were smarter than me and uh, to, to tell me that like, Eric, listen, dude, nobody gives like all these foot chases, all this crazy shit you get into. That's fine. But like, you realize that what you're here to do is are, are these things. And these are what, you know, is going to change people's lives forever. And, and so I really did start policing at an early age because of the influence about being an empathetic police officer, because I was surrounded by homeless people all day long. And instead of being the cop that hates homeless people, I found that I love the homeless people. And then I found a way to get on a level with them that I could talk to them and have a conversation with them and, and work with them. And that's why, you know, instead of, you know, I catch them with a crack pipe, you know, I had a rule, you get caught with a crack pipe, you know, because it's in plain sight or whatever, or I see you doing it. Um, you got to fill up two bags of trash and I'm going to provide the trash and you're going to leave them on the corner and then I'll take them to the dump or you can go, or you can go to jail and I'll do a couple of laps. And if I come back and those bags aren't full and sitting by the stop sign on the corner, I'm going to take out warrants for your arrest. Of course I would not do that, but they don't mm -hmm. know. And I never had a problem with making a few laps around the block and coming back and there'd be two full bags of trash. And, and then I didn't have to take them to jail. But those are all things that I learned from cops who were better than me. And, and I, it's what I want to carry on and pass on, pass that torch to other officers that, uh, you know, being a good street cop is being able to chase somebody down. It's being physically fit and being able to put your hands on somebody and not tase them. I mean, those are all parts of being a street cop, but also having just, you know, the most empathy and, and being truly kind to people is very, very important. Uh, I t I just my last statement here is to, like, this is where agencies miss the boat. In my opinion, guys like Tyler are, largely important and tansy you, you just made the best point of all it's not just about um serving the public it's about nurturing those around you like making them into good cops or making them see what they should and you know tyler you're doing you, you have a podcast where you speak the truth and some you know i, I fear I, I would fear being uh a uh, a uh an active police officer saying some of the things i say uh, so, I mean, my hat's off to you for being that bold, but it's also holding uh, holding other cops to account. It's also calling out the bullshit when we see it. Tansy did a reel the other day that was fantastic about, you know, he offended every woman and fat person in America. And, and but most cops agreed. Like, I mean, you know, I, I'm I am both 
fat and well, I'm not a woman anymore, but um, just don't so, act fat. You can be fat, just don't act yeah. fat. Don't have stuff yeah, all over your act. fucking belly. Just don't like act don't fat. be an open mouth breather in your uniform. Like it's all right if you're fat. I like I get people have struggles in life. Just don't act fat. Like it's okay yeah. to be a female and pleasing, but don't act like a like a stereotypical girl. Like what like what people generally see a you know what I mean? The, the quote, don't act right. like a girl, don't act like a bitch. Like True you know, false. act like a female cop. Act like a female cop. Don't. True, true or false? The most interaction you had from that post were from female cops who said you're fucking right. Oh yeah, true dude. Like my my old partner called me and she's like, dude, I'm so glad you put that out there. Like that, like <laughs> fucking preach. I, you know, like why is she even a cop if she's sitting there going, Whoa! you know, like <laughs> if you're burning in a building, do you want the big giant fat girl cop going, Whoa! or do you want like you know the female cop who? does a little bit of CrossFit or at least gives someone like, I don't even care yeah. if it's an overweight female cop running past an us. overweight female cop that wants to get to business <laughs> and come save my ass. Come get yeah. me girl. I don't want the overweight cop. that's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's right. uh, I, I, I've been getting a lot of controversy too, because I, I just released a, uh, a female's perspective episode and one of my best reels on Instagram was, uh, it was just labeled being a female cop and lots of hate, lots of hate from, um, everybody, uh, a lot of shit that guys are saying on there that I, you know, if, if that's their opinion about females, I wouldn't be saying it on social media, yeah, but it just, it yeah. gets people to show their true colors though. Doesn't I feel it? bad for their wives. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I look at, it, I try to look at it as uh, a cop and I, the way I found to deal with it is, I, I take out me personally as I take out female and male and I just say cop what what you posted is true for anybody it, it just happened to be sure. a female right like if <laughs> I would do the same well, thing. that was a 30 second clip that's true. Out of like, yeah I, I went I, I talked about it for like 10 minutes and they only pulled like and they cut it out into those 30 second clips to make that real <laughs> our producers did so I mean like the reason why I said it's like the whole fat thing like in defense of that post was I said, like, what I was saying is, like, look, it's okay to be fat, but just don't act fat. It's okay to be a female cop, but don't act like a girl. Like, don't act like a girl. Don't be the stereotype. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's okay to be a jock, but don't act like a pompous, egotistical jock when you're, I mean, I don't know what I, I mean. I have no, my partner was a girl, uh, a female, um, and she's, you know, we did CrossFit competitions back in the day. We did Murph every year, and she would beat my ass. I mean, she's. She's still going. She's still jacked as fuck. She could probably do like a hundred fucking pull-ups at this time. She's rad. And like, and if, if I had to choose between me saving somebody's ass or her saving somebody's ass, I'd probably go with her. She's probably going to do a better job. So I have no problem with the whole female cop things. But if I had a female cop, you know, that I worked with that was constantly acting like a little girl, like, oh my God, I don't want to, I don't want to get my gloves on because he's gross. I don't want to get guts on my hands. Like, well, then don't be a cop. Like same with a dude. I don't want a dude that's going to act like that shit either. Like fuck out of here. Yeah. It's scary. Cause I, I you know, I, I do have plans on promoting and, um, it just, it's 2023. The way Bro, I'm looking at you right now, there's no way you're getting promoted. Yeah. I got hopes and dreams. And, uh, and, and talking to new female cops is going to be one of the things where do you feed them the lines of PC bullshit or do you talk to them like a real cop? And also, do you identify the fact that you're a female? You're going to go through your own struggles. You are going to have problems and whether or not you be truthful to them about what they're about to face. Um, every, 
every subset of cops has their own issues. Black cops, gay cops, female cops, straight white male cops have their own problems that only yes. straight white male cops are going to go through. And to, I think it's very important to be able to uh, say, honestly, we are different. We're now we're all cops. We're all blue, you know, but we have, we're going to have our own struggles. And these are the struggles that I foresee you having. Um, and I feel like somebody could really, uh, not have those issues if they kind of understood that and knew that as a new cop, but you risk a lot by saying that because that, that female cop could turn around and go, you know, she's not, she's not a cop at heart. She just wants to go get you in trouble and say, this is what he said to me. And then you're demoted and you're like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'll right, just... right. <laughs> I actually <laughs> cover that like extensively in my book through the stories of, of red where it's like the banters we'd have as her as rookie people be like, Oh my God, Tansy, you can't say that, you know? Um, because I would say like the craziest wazoo shit to her um, when she was a rookie. And, um, and, but I was, you know, pretty much a rookie too. I was only one year ahead of her. So yeah, I, but I do say that it's like, no, I treat everybody the same. Like I'm not, why? And I, and what, of my banters in the book is like well what, we were all talking about that in the locker room like why are we all talking about that in the gym but we have to stop talking about it because she's here like that doesn't yeah. fucking seem like a quality you know and everybody's like shut the fuck up i was like why am i gonna because like, we were yeah but it's a funny i do it all in, co in comedy so uh yes yeah, so, somebody in chat says we all know that eric is toxic of course i'm a toxic dude like ask my wife yeah right too not toxic um at all uh but thank you for that fucking eric. guys this has been a really fun episode man we've covered a lot of stuff um, if you, if you still like us or if you're just like, God, dog, uh, let us know. But, um, I'd love to have you on our T-Bones with Tansy, mm -hmm. um, have a steak night with me. So our fans could just learn more about you as a, as a human. That would be a lot. Yeah, of that would be awesome. Um, and, uh, you guys please go over and follow the angry, no, I'm sorry. The anti-hero <laughs> podcast, the, the angry, the angry podcast, <laughs> the angry man podcast, the anti-hero. that bad? <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm trying to read like your, your green thing behind you. So I don't screw up the name anti-hero podcast, which anti-hero is a great skateboard deck that my, my kids. It's own. also a Taylor Swift song. Oh, is that why somebody somebody fucking uh, commented on one of my YouTube videos and said you're not so and so. Take the shit down. And I look, and I, it was like an old skateboarder from. And his videos were like ten years old. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? But that makes sense. Yeah, Antihero <laughs> is a very famous skateboard brand, and then Antihero is a very famous Taylor Swift song. So you've got a lot. I mean, great name, fucking song. Yeah, you're in the Solid. yeah. Solid. Well, man, you're we're gonna be down in Florida for a meetup. We're doing some stuff with Anthony Romaldi um so we'll be down in florida drew's always in florida um and so uh hopefully we can do a meetup in florida here soon maybe in the fall and the october uh time frame we'll probably do it somewhere in orlando because that's halfway between drew and myself so for you orlando or you florida folks get ready for some kind of a meetup in the orlando area and um and, and hopefully we can get the anti-hero podcast out there as well and we can hook up with them and just do like a, a big bar takeover. What's the uh, what's that tactical bar down there? I've done a meetup there before, a couple of years ago. Uh, in in Orlando. In Orlando, yeah, it's like a oh, tactical. Is know. it tactical brewing? Mm. Yeah, it's tactical brewing. Bunch Got of that one. sounds really familiar. Bunch of actually in Orlando. Yeah, I think. Oh, is it in Orlando or is it just? Yeah, a, I, yeah I've heard of that. It probably is. If I've heard of it, then I just never been. Yeah, no, it's dope. It's it's really cool. Um, so maybe we can call them and do a, a meetup there. It's a really great cool. setup in there, and I've, I've done a meetup there before. So, I 
I don't want to say that, but I, I, I think they're on another project, but I, I don't want to say anything. Cause I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not, but I'm pretty sure they're brewery. They're the brewery on that, working on that project, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> but, uh, until next time guys, this has been awesome. I've had a great time. Uh, guns up, giddy up. Arr.